part, just like a good conversation between human beings. You provide supportive roles when like I'm talking and then same thing as the inverse. So I've, it's it's part of music, musical maturity, I think, is to, to sort of learn when it's your turn to speak, step up on the soapbox and do your thing. And then when it's, you know, the other person's time to speak or whatever the part is calling for to back off and sort of go in a more supportive role. What's up, everybody? It's Keefe at GhostCultMag.com, and I am honored and thrilled to be joined by Nick from Job for a Cowboy. How are you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing, dude? I'm so good. Happy Friday as we Happy record Friday. this. Happy Friday. It is Friday, huh? Through, yeah, it is Friday. It's never been a bad one. And uh, th <laughs> we are three weeks out from this journey, this comeback, if you will, record for Job for a Cowboy. It's a comeback for listeners and fans, probably not for you guys. You've been, you know, so working busy with other things. <laughs> yeah, working on it off and on forever. But, yeah. uh, you know, so pump Moon Healer, it's a banger. I've listened to it a bunch. Um, we're, you know, I can't wait for everyone else to hear it and, and see if they agree with me. But just for you, what's this process been like? Uh, you know, obviously the band, you know, it's Sun Eaters 10 years ago, and uh, which is crazy to me. But, you know, it yeah. is it is pretty great and gratifying to have the band back. Yeah, I, man, it's it's one of those things where I can't believe that it's been 10 years. I, you know, that like in 2014, I remember being like, holy shit, it's like 10 years since 2004. And it just seems to be like that's, um, I guess, the the path of life, you know? It's just we, it's like if you want to get something done, you got to get it done because it's moving faster and faster all the time, you know? It's it's the 2nd of February, 2024 already. January's gone. Like, what the fuck? It's, it's just crazy to me how fast time speeds up. And I know it's there's that ratio of like your age – relative to one year so when you're you know four years old uh christmas does take a quarter of your life to come back around again or hanukkah or whatever it is for you but um when you're 40 you know 2.5 percent of your life one year so that and that ratio continues so it does just get faster and faster and you just kind of it's like pantera videos you know it's like that you just got to kind of watch it go but to, to finally have this record be coming out it is crazy because there was plenty of times in the last you know eight-ish years but definitely even even in the last like four years that i'm like this is never coming. every time we had a major setback or some you know oh we're gonna have to do this now or do this and i'm like this shit's never coming out <laughs> but to to be like oh shit dude three weeks it's finally out i mean like the three songs are already out the videos that we worked forever forever on are out and um so just really happy to see something that to get probably the most work i've ever you know put into a single album um to finally have that coming out is just a great feeling in and of itself and if people dig it then that's all the all the better you know that's amazing to hear from you you have played on so many banger albums anyway that's very you know i love to hear that and thanks man also for people who appreciate the music industry i know that it's like a half-life also in the process of uh, making a record for active bands that don't have anything else going on right. so you know it just kind of occurs to me that you know obviously when when the band started to tease that it was happening believe me we were the first website that was like yeah i remember i remember <laughs> yeah. we jumped in on it uh, i'm very proud to say that we are the people who helped break that story and um because we're just like you know it's like it's like necrophagous will it ever happen <laughs> you know and and you know if muhammad you're out there and somehow this finds you we love you and please come back but if not that's okay <laughs> we still have the treasured memories and i'm pretty sure like i said offline i saw you for the first time on like summer slaughter so like that's the first time i was aware of you personally oh, wow. and um like um <clears throat> which which summer slaughter do you remember uh i went to a lot of them probably like the late um uh, 
aughts, the you know, 2007, 8, 9, I went oh, multiple shit. times the to each one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I Marco went Marco Miniman on drums. I Remember? love Marco so much. Yeah, that we've interviewed so him. Sick, he does not like to talk about necrophages much because he feels he doesn't? Like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't. He's proud of it, but he doesn't love because he's get he's the only one that's like a public person, so he's always asked about it. So I think he's oh, probably course. like, and he's like, I just filled in for one fucking. Tour. Yeah, I did this one album with my pal. Please leave me alone. Um, <laughs> I have these other bands, including Aristocrats. So like, you know, he does. Yeah, you know, he's dude. Incredible. I was. I'm, I'm looking up here. I'm trying to remember. Were you guys the first? There was a really, really well written article about Job for a Cowboy, like uh, finally, sort of like officially leaving the deathcore, being able to like circumvent the deathcore thing. And I wanted to say it was Ghost Cult that did it. And uh, for Sun Eater, it was very possibly us. And, yeah, um, and it was and one of my favorite. I was like, I was like, I sent it to Johnny at the time, and I was like, so, these guys fucking f- fi- finally the full, somebody. you know, somebody gets it. Um, which was cool, man. Yeah, and I, I remember you guys being the first ones to, to do the tease thing. And, I, you're, you know, part of, I guess, even that, like, knowing that we had teased and that, like, you guys had caught it, um, that we were kind of, like, when we were going to drop the single, we were like, let's just, I was very adamant, like, let's just fucking drop the single. Like, enough teasing. We, we've done this so many times because every one of those times we thought we were close to putting the record out. And then it would be a, some other fucking thing would happen. And so, um, so knowing that, like, you know, more uh, savvy news outlets like you guys would catch it and stuff we're like let's stop fucking teasing and let's just it's been enough like hold out like eight months or nine months or whatever it was and we'll just fucking drop a single so people know that it, it actually is coming out killer memo to the producer omar cordy clip that part where he said we're a savvy news outlet and just send me a link of that over and over i need to listen to that <laughs> i need to hear that every day because sometimes you know i don't feel like it but i do feel like it thank you man i appreciate that but uh yeah, yeah man sure. moon, moon healer it's like the band never went away it's the cool. next logical thing and it sounds unbelievably great i'm really awesome. i can't get enough of this record i think people are going to lose they're absolute they're already losing their shit with the singles but i don't even sure. think the singles the record is so deep and complex and so much to cut through but at the same time it's like i don't even think the singles are the the best thing on the record that's cool actually. that's good yeah. yeah i mean that was one of those things where you know you're trying to pick what to think and I, a couple other cats that i chatted with are like man i kind of wish that i didn't I, the last guy i just did one is like i haven't listened to any of them he's like because i want to experience the whole record in in itself first um so he's like i specifically haven't listened to the stuff he's like so i'll tell you once i you know but um and another guys were like is it kind of weird that like you know forever rot was the second single because it's it's kind of like telling the end of the story you know um and so we were kind of a little like oh man that is one of those things that like it should be earned almost because that's like when the record finally like it's if you finally get somewhere in the record because you're going on this big long you know schizophrenic hallucinogenic you know episode and lots of twists and turns um and then like you you end up there and like ah okay this is the the culmination so it was kind of weird to like give that away um but hopefully like you said like there's enough of a ride that you even though you may have heard the three songs yet you still haven't heard where it's going to take you you know word and and i don't think we had uh you know shout out to metal blade and shout out to ear split and everybody else doing pr around the world we work with both sides of the atlantic but i was gonna say uh you know i don't think we got a clear idea that it was a, like a actual concept record with this deep layered story until just recently like the second press release and the second single final was like oh, oh by the wow. way there's a story here there's a deeper oh. story it's not just like here's a single get crazy sure. there's an actual really deep story shout out to johnny and the whole band cool. but yeah man like i 
to to where to dive in like in terms of the genesis of of creating like obviously like you know life take you know life takes precedence family comes first sure. other gigs come up for you as a working musician and the other guys things happen so you know rather than beat a dead horse about where you've been i want right. to know where you where you where you just came from so where the band started to come together to trade ideas how how long in the process has that actually been so i want to do this because this is this this one does come up a little bit and i want to actually just fucking look this up okay so i have version of these songs we use um pet names for the songs a lot of bands do um but uh like we use like like older uh names that aren't really you know making their way into uh birth certificates these days like gertrude and uh delilah and shit like that so um what was the name of that first one let's see coney Tony J. San, I think it was his Yahoo email. All right, I'm going to go back. Here we go. Uh, oh, shit. Okay, so. Ghost Cult. <laughs> I have something from. Oh, wow. I have a question from James at Ghost Cult in uh, 20, December 1st, 2014, about Sun Eater. Tony sent me that one. But, okay, so. It looks like I've got like stuff of this going back to 2015. Some of these songs, so it's that long. Um, some of the, some of the, some of this material has been around nine fucking years. These songs, which is fucking nuts. But um, we got serious about it in like I remember talking in 2016. Like, are we gonna record this year? Because there was about seven or eight ish floating around, and then it wasn't until 2018 that we're like, okay, it's really it's really going down. Um, you know, these th these songs are pretty much done. Like they're done cooking. Um, and so then we were like, all right, let's record in 2019. That didn't happen. Then 2020 happened. Some weird thing happened that, you know, messed up the world for a little while. Don't remember exactly what it was. But um, so that so we got drums done in 2020. And then it's like, I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So I'm going to I'm, I'm doing uh, so Tony's doing guitars right afterwards. Right. Like as soon as Naveen flies out, Tony's going to be there. And it's like, no, because Tony couldn't take off. He could get like, you know, two weeks uh, off right uh from from med school but he could not t add in the 10 days of quarantine that he would have to do after the fact so we're like well he couldn't come and do the record in one week so we were like what the fuck so we kept figuring out eventually we're like he's just got to record it there like he's just got to record the guitars himself and then send them to jason so then that process was like tony was like really weekend worrying warrioring it um and the track and you know what he could on the weekends and then we'd be like okay we've got rhythms for this song okay now you need the left side rhythms for that side okay now the candy parts so that took like a year and a half and then that whole time i'm like it's never coming out then finally july 2022 i go to do bass and then um so i finished bass we did it in like uh it took us a little longer than, than normal probably like 10 days or something so then i'm like okay johnny you're up let's go you know let's get it done so then johnny doesn't get in there till new year's eve 2022 and new year's eve and new year's day like they just hammered the record out so finally i was like okay it's recorded and then we get into the mixing phase and it was like and then mastering and everything so it kept just kept pushing itself out and further and further out but you know there's something to be said about it like maybe we were able to come up with like a highly refined product because there wasn't like that permanent deadline eventually we did get it and it was like okay the record's got to be in on this monday because like metal blade wants it in by this time or whatever finally we did have some type of pressure because honestly without that i mean there's still more revisions we were going to make so it it could have like been one of those things where like you know somebody says that a record's never really done they're just turned in 
And that's fucking true. That is, that's right. And then one of my heroes in all of music is Vernon Reed of Living Color, who says a oh. song's not a song's not even done when the record's done because then you go play it live and you add stuff to it unconsciously. Oh yeah, uh, man. So I love that. Doug, Doug Wimbish, dude. Man. Oh dude, yeah. Oh man, I could talk all. I could do just an interview about yeah. Doug with other bassists. I Hell love Doug yes, so much. Dude. He's a I've sound been, system. He's unbelievable by himself. And uh, on top of how great Living Color is, I think they're, oh, working, yeah. on, they're working on a new record also. I'm very oh, cool. Excited. Fuck yeah. Very excited for that. They're touring a lot, so good for them. Uh, you helped me with one of my segues, which is let's talk about Naveen. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, that dude is everywhere this year and last year. He's on the new Machine Head. He's got yeah. Entheos. They already put out a brand new song after their record came out last year. Yeah. Guys a powerhouse uh you yeah, got to work true. in person with naveen which i was wondering if that happened so that's really great so naveen is is i've wanted to work with naveen since i met him on uh the 2010 summer slaughter where animals as leaders like real kind of first big tour they were, they were two out of ten in the lineup and everybody would come in and watch him and he was my favorite drummer to go watch because he would just i mean it's like i don't know what those drums did to his family but it was bad because it's just he's so passionate he's so pissed when he's playing and just like i love when drummers do that like that's more important to me even than the technique and the skill is like the power the passion and the emotion that they put into 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 their playing and so um when we were tossing around names for the record and uh when naveen came up it was like dude if he would do it yeah, we got to do it. So getting him in there was just something that was just crazy. And I remember taking time once I had his drum tracks and uh, I remember being like, OK, I have the, the demo guitars and then finalized drums. And I remember there's this one fill in uh, the song was called Eden. Um, trying to think what song that became. Uh, that's the pet name of the song. I'll have to. Th well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, there's this little part that was like, I'm not shitting you like six seconds. This drum crazy ass, super jazzy drum fill that he does. And it took me like three hours to f to get his timing down. It was just nuts. It was such a challenge for me to to keep up with with him on this. And, and along with Tony, because Tony really stepped up. I mean, you know, that's that's Tony who wrote Sun Eater, who's an incredible guitar player then, but with 10 more years of playing guitar all the time. So to keep up with those guys, it, it, it took a lot, you know, for me to, to try to be like, oh, shit, I got to step up, you know? Right on. Uh, I can only imagine, and I feel like I know, uh, you know, let's just throw a blanket on it and say technical death metal or progressive death metal is often thought of as a young person's game because it takes a certain amount of skill and stamina to pull off some of these songs, but... I can, only, I can only guess, like, physically the demands. But at the same time, I do feel like this is a wiser, more experienced band. There's so much tasteful stuff going on across all the instruments and, and vocals. Cool. Uh, you know, it, it definitely sounds like a grown-ass band, if that makes yeah. sense to you. No, 100%. You know, I think there's just naturally it's going to, like, you change as a person. Um, hopefully you're growing as a person, you know, every day, right? But certainly over years, and then very certainly, hopefully, over decades. And so I think as as musicians, you're like, that's kind of a cool thing because like what, you know, would the record have been less mature if we would have um, if we would have done uh, a record like immediately, you know, two years afterwards, done it the traditional way? Would would the record have come out like it did? Probably not. You know, like every one of those little things about having to work, you know, a thousand or two thousand or three thousand miles apart from each other. Maybe that it just played into, you know, your how you have to process it how you have to suggest your ideas like you don't just like say no this sucks because like 
you know, like I just got it. Like you listen to it for a while, you know, and be like, listen to it good four, five, six times. I'm sure like even when you're reviewing a record, like if you were to just write a review immediately after you listen to something for the first time, it'll be way different than you're like, how about the 10th listen? You know, like how is it, how does it sit with you once you can dissect and be like, oh, there's that little like, I don't know, it's like a mandolin or something on the left side. Like what's this little thing? And like slowly unraveling the layers of stuff, you know? So, so uh, hopefully, you know, people perceive that that we we grew up as people you know and um or at least like didn't fall off our game you know uh for sure and uh i'm i'm definitely a 10 listen guy and we try to preach to our uh, team of like 30 writers to please listen at least three times before you cool write a word i'm sure there's people out there you know uh with all the uh websites and things going under and staffs getting laid off which my heart breaks for everybody uh you know i i I think people that fans think Anyone can write a review, but that's not the case, and right. uh, I don't. Is think that that's is that kind of happening? The the layoffs and stuff. Well, you know, um, uh, Condé Nast fo- basically folded Pitchfork into GQ and fired half of their people. Bandcamp let go of half of their people, including oh, really? a lot of their editorial people. Uh, Sports Illustrated is not what we do, but they basically are gone, or maybe gone forever. So it's wild. Like I'm, I did not. I'm, I was unaware. I knew I've seen yeah. tons of tech tech layoffs. Yeah, there's still, happen, it's but. it's happening every. You know, like uh, unfortunately, January February is like okay. Now we saw the Q4 result numbers. Let's lay off a lot of people instead sure. of fire. Uh, the thing with uh, Pitchfork, I know a lot of metalheads. You know, I also was like, oh, they never cared about metal till it was a hip thing, a hipster sure. thing. And that, but the reality is. Um, they were important, and they were, and they were how a lot of people did. By being a humongous website, it trickled down on a lot of people who would have never discovered black metal, or would have never uh, discovered uh, post metal, would have never discovered some shit. of the the ocean, or some of these bands on your, you know, like metal I... blade bands would not have found them without Pitchfork promoting underground band music. Finally, I was not happy when you know it's like oh now they're gonna cat jump on but they were sure. important and i think it sucks if they're gone and i don't yeah. and, and i don't know anybody that goes to gq gentleman's quarterly which is basically a fashion magazine and a lifestyle right. brand i don't know anyone who's like i'm gonna go into gq and read about kill switch engage i don't think so maybe nurgle what reads <laughs> gq <laughs> I, I, maybe he is a very stylish fellow he's when very he's fashionable not, when he's I not mean... in the uh stage get up <laughs> yeah exactly man he, he i could see him on the cover of gq I could, I could, uh, or Pol- maybe Polish, uh, Polish has a GQ. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's either loved or hated all around, so it's all good. Um, let's let's talk about some bass stuff. The moment I've been waiting for the most is a retired yeah. retired bassist, and not that great uh, in general. Uh, a singing bassist, so I always use that as my excuse. But that you know what good. I, you know what I, you know what I love about uh, this record and your career in general is there's a beautiful lyricism to your playing. A lot of guys can shred. But you are always playing at, at both t- somehow at the same time for the song, but also there's so much tasteful, almost like uh, you know, I, I'm gonna, I don't want to get carried away, but like in a sh- you know, rest in peace to Sean Malone of Cynic or yeah. DiGiorgio. There's a lyricism to your playing that's beautiful a lot. <laughs> like Thank uh, you. there and and even little things. There's like a, a little break in. Uh, I think it's uh, the sun gave me ashes so i sought out the moon and there's like a stop and a, just a a little slide just for a <laughs> yeah. second and i i think that's the song and it's so tasteful and we're really makes it pop you know i really appreciate that yeah it's funny i i teach bass lessons and um a lot of times you know i just pull on stuff from that i you know learned from from like you know victor wooten and and um guys like you know ryan martini and uh 
but there was like an element of like everybody the non-music people you know non-musicians focus probably 90 percent on lyrics and on, on vocals it's it's our our main connection to each other as human beings it's how we communicate to each other it's the original instrument um i've always loved singing um I used to sing in a, a cover band with some uh, some buddies, and I would do like you know. I, sometimes I would play bass, but a lot of times I was like, I just want to sing. And um, you know, we do Journey and and Whitney Houston and stuff. I like getting up to that higher range. Um, but so I've always loved uh, that form of expression, and I feel like there's sort of this place available if the music is written uh, in such a fashion to allow the vocals or excuse me, to allow the bass to not only be your traditional tie of tying the rhythm of the song, the drums, to the melody of the guitars, but to do it in a way that's like singing. And especially in extreme metal bands where there's not clean singing, like there's room for that sort of vocal expression um, and, and just your phrasing. So a lot of times, like one of the one of the things that um, you can do is is to practice, like find a, a, a singer that you like or even like a, a public speaker that you like transcribe the the vocal part or the speech for the phrasing you know so like you can look around the room and this is something Wooten used to teach where he's like you know you can take the phrasing of a say you're like uh here's something in e minor right and instead of going you can do like um put the phrasing of anything else that's like vocally prominent like pledge allegiance you know you can play it like a pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America just to use the phrasing, you know, so because it's like we're so used to hearing that. So I, I always try to think about and teach my students that way is to be like, think about it as if you're saying something because music is ultimately a conversation. It's a form of expression. And so um, what better way to do that than to like pull it as closely as you can to the, the main way that human beings communicate with each other. Red. Uh, by the way, is there ever a period of time on the flip side of that where you have to edit yourself down a little bit because even if the part is calling to you to do something else, you need to just kind of lay back and keep it yeah, simple? Yeah, for sure. There's, there's, um, I've, I've sort of learned how to self do that to where I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's thinking about things more like they are as a, as a conversation and to be like, you know, um, if, if the guitarist has this part that's really intricate and he's really saying something cool, like you don't want to come on top of it and be like, yeah, and he's saying all this cool stuff and I'm, I want to say what he's saying too. Like if it were a conversation, you would back off and be like, yeah, yes, exactly. Like that you pour, you provide a supportive part, just like a good conversation between human beings. You provide supportive roles when like I'm talking and then same thing as the inverse. So I've, it's, it's part of music, musical maturity, I think, is to, to sort of learn when it's your turn to speak, step up on the soapbox and do your thing. And then when it's, you know, the other person's time to speak or whatever the part is calling for to back off and sort of go in a more supportive role, you know? We were talking about time flying and things like that at the top of the interview. And so, of course, Nick, the 2004 guy, Nick, the 2014 guy, and now Nick, the 2024 guy. What individual piece of advice as a player would Nick give in each of those years? Man, um, I would say that's a really, really solid question. I would say that I would do I would have gotten into the theory side of things a little earlier. You know, because I was very at the beginning in like 2004-ish, I was like, I took music theory in college and I knew my way around the block, but I assumed that it was an authoritarian 
viewpoint, you have to do this and that it would destroy my individual voice. And so I specifically like just used my ear and I ended up probably doing a lot of the same things I would have done had I gotten into it, but it was just like limiting your vocabulary. So I would, I would have probably gone deep in and at least just gotten into modes, um, back in, in 2000 and uh, 2004. And then, um, I guess uh, the rest of it, I would kind of almost say you learn who, if you like who you are, and this goes for anybody, right? If you like who you are, who you are is a result of the choices that you've made along the way. And so if you were to have made different choices, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. So I remember I asked my dad that recently, at, just randomly at Christmas dinner. I was like, what's your biggest regret? And he's like, I don't have any. And I was like, why? He's like, because I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't make those choices. And I was like, Oh, okay. I like it. I'll take it. So that would be, that would be it. You know, I would just like, yes, go back, do a little more theory. Maybe, you know, I could have made some much more sound financial decisions, you know, but that shit's always hindsight. Oh, dude. I mean, I, you know, Al was getting us to buy Bitcoin during Sun Eater and Doge. Like actually we did. I bought like a hundred bucks worth of Dogecoin during the Sun Eater recording at Sukoff's. And, um, if I would have found that, cause I left that on Cripsy you know, going away. But if I would have kept that, that hundred bucks when Doge was at like 70 cents, it would have been like, I think it was like four or $500,000 or something. I was like, shit. I mean, Al sold all of his Bitcoin when he bought it at 3000, sold it at like six. But if he would have waited till it was 70 and there's, there's so many things that you can go back in hindsight and fix, but it's like, eh, you know, it's part of the lesson. Ah, Dogecoin. I have like 549 <laughs> worthless Dogecoin. But uh, anyway, my whole my whole portfolio took a, a complete Oh rap. yeah. But anyway, yeah. what are you going to do? I'm here for a good time and riffs, not a long time and exactly. finances. But uh, <laughs> I'm a music journalist. I'm not here for money. Yeah, but anyway, exactly, um, if you have your number one most indispensable piece of gear that you cannot live without, the house is on fire, I save my family, I save my pets, I save my children, what piece of gear do you also grab on your way out the door? Oh, man, I think um, as many bases as I can. Yeah, I think I think like there's something about like when somebody handcrafts an instrument for you and that, it, you know, it was a living thing at one time and you can never get one exactly the same. I think I think bases would be the first thing after pets, pets, passport, you know, hard drives with with pictures on them and that kind of stuff. But yeah, as far as gear goes, I think you'd go bases first. You can get another amp, you know, but you'll never get that one, you know, MTD you know, 534, that it was just the perfect piece of wood. You know what I mean? Not to mention all the memories uh, inscribed into that fretboard and that and body. Sweat. Right? All yeah, the sweat exactly. and all the sweat, blood. The time, right. All the, all the <laughs> memories. Uh, just the last thing, and I don't know if you can confirm or deny, but I feel like there was something out there that something might happen around the 10 year anniversary of Sun Eater, either from Metal Blade or the band or both. I think it was alluded to. Yeah. In, a, in some coy social media stuff. And you don't have to confirm it, but I just want to put it out into the universe that maybe something is coming on top of the new record. Yes. Um, so I, I, we made this suggestion last year. Um, I'm really hoping, I mean, it just makes so much sense to me that's like, these are sister records. Um, it's it's the yin and the yang, you know? And so 10 year anniversary, like how do you not put out you know, something with both, you know, um, I mean, ultimately, too, I would love to to do a headline run or even just one night in, you know, um, but of Sun Eater and Moon Healer together. Talking my guys into that is, is a is a whole other thing. But for me, as like if I were a fan, I'd be like, dude, you got it. Like just one time, you know, camera it up so we can put it out as a DVD. But like to get this material shown to people. 
um, at least one time all the way through in its entirety, the, meant, the way it's meant to be expressed would be so cool. So I'll work on getting the guys to, to do that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, in general, I would love to see you guys be able to tour at yeah. least a little, a little behind this record. And, uh, you know, it deserves to be heard. Uh, this is a fantastic thank record. You. Thank you for no, Moon thank Healer. You, thank you for sticking it out. Congratulations on everything else you have going on. And the guys and Sukoff and <laughs> Metal thank Blade, so just much, the tip of the hat to everybody for a job well done. Thank you for this job. interview, Nick. It's been a job, no pun intended. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, thanks for hanging out with Ghost Cult. And uh, we'll see Hell you hopefully is. on tour. Yeah, most definitely, man. Thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it, dude. Great talking to you. Of course. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Okay, brother.